Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Praise God. Always a blessing to be able to come, especially to Chandler. Always a uh, wonderful, wonderful and humbling experience to be in Pastor Campbell's pulpit. Um, I was thinking about what to preach here. And so I was weighing out a few things and going through in my mind what I was looking at. But you know, one of, one of the things that I've noticed over the years in discipling men and working with couples who want to go into the harvest field is that over time, as men begin to rise up and they want to do something for Jesus, they begin to figure out the program. They begin to look and say, okay, I need to do this, 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 this. And in doing that, they begin to pull back on coming to the altar when they need to. So many of our disciples would rather save face than save their faith. And it's a dangerous issue because men don't want to be embarrassed. They don't like looking weak, and so many times they, they figure this out. say, okay, well, if I hit the altar, a pastor will know that I have this issue. Or if I hit the altar, perhaps he'll think this about me. And so instead of coming to that place of public repentance, they try to do everything on their own behind the scenes, and it's very damaging. The altar is the place where you need to be. You need to put aside this whole mindset of, trying to look good and learn how to repent and be good. I read an interesting illustration. This lady was doing a dinner party, and so she's working a job, but she's having a big dinner party that evening. People are going to be coming over. So she's in the morning getting everything prepared. She's making an Italian dinner, you know. So she cooks up the sauce and has the sausage and the meatballs. Everything's in there cooking, and she... She has to go off to dinner, so she takes it off to cool, but she forgets to cover it. So she comes home and realizes this error. Oh, man, the sauce has been out all day sitting on the counter. I wonder if it's going to be really bad. You know, I wonder if somebody could get sick from this. So she calls the poison control center. (laughs) She doesn't know. She calls him and says, hey, uh, I just wanted to know you. I've had this sauce out. It's all day. They said, no, it shouldn't be a problem. Just reheat it. Get it to a boil. It'll kill anything that might have gotten in there, and you'll be fine. So she has this big dinner party. She's busy doing everything. She, don't, she wants no one to know about this, okay? So during the dinner party, it's busy. She's serving. She's doing things. And all of a sudden, the phone rings, and one of the guests says, hey, I'll, I'll get that for you because you're in the middle of serving. She goes, okay, go grab the phone. And to her horror... The lady yells out, and she goes, hey, it's the poison control center. They want to know how the sauce came out. (laughs) See, that's what happens when you want to save face. (laughs) 
It's coming out. Let's read 1 Samuel chapter 15 if you have your Bibles with me. I'm going to start at verse 13 and we'll read from there. It says, Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I perform the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of his sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord our God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. And Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said, Speak on. So Samuel said, When you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a, a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they're consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you scoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than fat of rams. For rebellion is the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is his iniquity and idolatry. Because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he's rejected you from being king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I've sinned, for I've transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. And so I want to stop there, and I want to look at a few things here. You know, it's interesting that when we fall into sin... And we are confronted with that sin, whether we're confronted with uh, uh, preaching or teaching or confronted by a brother or someone who speaks into our life, we have this natural reaction to blame everyone else. I don't need to go to the altar because, you know, brother so-and-so, sister what's-her-face, you know, they're worse than I am. And look at them. He's a Bible study leader and he's a jacked up mess. I really know what's going on in their house. And so, you know, we have this way to blame everyone because we want to save face. I mean, think about what's happening here. Saul's totally confronted. Samuel the prophet says, look, you didn't do the thing you were supposed to do for God. You're not right. You're, you're doing a wrong thing here. And he goes, no, 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 no. I did it. I'm good. Justifying his rebellion, justifying the issue of sin. He's embarrassed. He doesn't want to look bad. I mean, he, you know, he's confronted, and he says, well, the people spared them. And so they were going to actually do a sacrifice to God, uh, but the rest we did. And then he goes on to say, well, yeah, I've sinned, but honor me now before the people. Honor me before everybody else. And so he wants to save face. He doesn't want to look bad. He, he's doing damage control because he's failed to carry out the commandment of God, and he's not responding properly. He doesn't want Samuel to think he disobeyed. Let's blame the people. It was the pressure I was under. It's the issues of life. It's, you know, I'm having this financial difficulty. Whatever it may be, he blames everyone except himself. He will not take personal responsibility. This is one of the tragedies of our generation. We have men and women who want to do something for God. And many times the men, I'm sorry, man, I'm going to pick on you today a little bit. Well, seven of you said okay anyway. The rest of you aren't taking responsibility. Anyway. Our men in our generation, it's this, this, this fatherless generation we've been under for a long time now, and so responsibility has not been put into them. And when they come into the church many times, they do the same thing. I, you know, I, I pastor 
a good group of, of folks, and they're great people. But one of the dynamics is that when, when you know, I have to confront someone over an issue, they always have a reason why they had to do it. They always have a reason why it's not their fault, and they always have a reason why they failed to respond to the 37 sermons I preached about that. They just, it's, it's, not, it's like it's not in there. They, it's something that's missing in their spiritual DNA. It hasn't been, it hasn't been brought to the surface yet. And they, they blame others for their failure so they look better. So they don't look so bad. And we learn the dynamics of that as we're discipling, as we're being trained and we're being raised up for ministry. We learn the system, how it works, what we need to do, how to shuck and jive. You know, it's like the guy who takes the van out and it comes back damaged. <laughs> you walk out the next day and you're looking at the van. And there's a nice yellow streak down the... This is a true story. Nice yellow streak down the side. You know those poles in the parking lot that are yellow, you know? And you say, well, what happened? I don't know. Well, weren't you driving the van? Yeah. Well, how'd that get there? I don't know. Someone else must have taken it out. I know, I have the keys. Unbelievable. But damage control. Blame others. Someone else must have taken that van out, Pastor. I don't understand how that damage got there. Well, I do. You ran into the pole in the parking lot at the store right before you went to gas the van up. You know, the Circle K, that's the pole that sticks out a little bit like that. You want me to match the paint? I'll send it to the lab, you know? <laughs> we have this defense system. We blame others. I mean, this goes all the way back to the garden. We don't want to deal with our sin. We don't want to actually deal with it. I mean, God is confronting Adam. God is, I mean, this isn't like, you know, he might be able to lie to the pastor. This is God. He's confronting Adam. He says, who told you you're naked? You know what? Did you eat of the tree? Ha <laughs> ha. Well, let me tell you, the problem is here. That woman <clears throat> that you gave me, by the way, so it's not my fault, it's her fault and your fault. I'd, it's really, I shouldn't have to even confess to this. And so these are the things that work on us. These are the things that get in our mind. We, we do this damage control. But there's such a power in simple honesty, in simply dealing and being responsible with what you've done it's such a simple thought, it's almost, for most people, too easy to consider. Because you know, we live in a generation where it's, everybody has a hustle. You know, they're running their hustle. They got their thing that they do, you know, they got their scam, whatever it is. You got a way that you want to deal with things. And so, honest, just tell them what happened. Oh, nah, that won't sound too good. I have a better story. And so, it's so simple. If, I'm thinking about it, if Adam would have just immediately repented, if Saul would have just said, you're right, I blew it. I'm the guy. I did it. I, you know, I was afraid. I, the people were coming against me, and I just thought I was going to lose this whole thing. I didn't see you. I didn't know what to do, and I did this instead. Anything but lying. I wonder what the outcome would have been, how that may have gone a different direction. The prodigal son gives us some great insight here because here's a man who destroys everything that's put in his hands. He comes to his father, says, give me my portion. I'm out of here. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm leaving uh, your headship and your covering. I'm going out and living my own life. 
and he's out there and he ruins his life. But he comes to his senses, the Bible says, and he comes to this place where he, in his mind, says, you know what, I, I know what I need to do here. I need to repent. I need to do the right thing. I need to get this right because I did it. I'm the reason this happened. My father's not the problem. My brother is not the problem. I'm the problem. And in Luke 12, uh, 15, 21 through 24, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry for my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be made merry. So God is giving us a picture here of the kingdom of heaven. And he's saying, listen, you can make mistakes. That's part of the program, unfortunately. We're going to make mistakes. How many of you here has never made a mistake? Raise your hand. Never made a mistake. Come up and preach because you need to take over. <laughs> it's amazing how when we make mistakes, we think we're the only possible person that's ever done this wrong. We're the, it's, it's, it's just us. We've, no one else has ever done anything wrong. But that's not the case here. This is common to everyone. And here's another simple thought. I mean, this is so simple. But it's so powerful. It's going to change your life. Open your Bibles. Write this down. This is big. This is big. God already knows you sinned. Really? God already knows. I mean, we're acting like somehow we're going to fool him. You hear this sermon. It's the sermon designed for your life. And you sit there. Yeah, they need to go. <laughs> that guy, he needs to get up there. And you sit there as if somehow you're fooling everyone in God. And you don't respond. You're, you don't want anyone to, to see that there's a problem in your life. You won't take responsibility for the fact that you're the one that sinned. That you're the one that actually did this. Because you're looking to your future. In your mind, I'm looking to my future. And so if I do this now, there may be consequences. I may be set back a little bit. I may have to step out of ministry. It's like the couples that fornicate before they get married and never tell the pastor. I know it would never happen in Chandler, but it happens in California. I wrote a song about it. <laughs> Some of you actually listened to that group. Okay. And it's interesting because they think if, if we come out now, one, the wedding's postponed. Two, we're going to have to separate for a while until we get things right and see where it works. And three, we won't have the big wedding in the church with all the gifts. The shower's coming in weeks. What shall we do? I know, we'll save face, and we won't tell anyone. But the problem is after they're married down the road, they fall apart. And about four to five years later, the wife now hates the husband, and, and you know, as a pastor, you don't know what happened in the past, so you can't figure this out. It's like, this is a good guy. What's going on here? Why are you upset? And then it comes out. Well, when we were dating, he took advantage of me. That loser. <clears throat> really? He took advantage of you. I said, so he raped you. I 
don't think I want to talk about this anymore. Yeah, of course, because you were as guilty as him. It was no rape. It was consensual. So you both agreed to violate the will of God and the plan of God and violate God and cover it, but now there's a problem. See, this is the dynamic we're looking at here. You may save face today, but down the road, things are coming. Down the road, things arise, and you're going to have to deal with those. And so do you want that to blow up when you're in ministry out in the field, not under the covering of your mother church in that sense of being in a congregation? You're on your own. You've got to function now. You've got to do the will of God. And how are you going to do that when all these things are caving in on you? So you can save face for the moment. But if you just get it right, God can move. David is an example. Now, here's King David, the man after God's own heart. He commits adultery. He's got a problem. He covers it. He's saving face. He doesn't want to respond. I mean, he's, this guy's so ruthless that he gives the letter to the man that he's going to have killed to carry to the guy to have him killed because he knows the guy's righteous. And he sets this guy up. The guy's murdered. All these things transpire. And so the prophet comes to him, talks to him about the issue. And when he's all said and done, he says, you're the man, David. And David immediately says in 2 Samuel 12, 13, I've sinned against the Lord. I'm, it's, it's me. But it's interesting that in that moment, the prophet says, God has put away your sin. In other words, you've responded properly. He's not overlooking it. There's going to be things that are going to play out in your life now because of this. He says, but I'm not going to kill you. That's a pleasant thought. I'm not going to kill you because you've taken responsibility. I'm going to work with something here. I'm going to work with that. How do you respond to God when you're totally caught? I'll give you an example. I'll help you out this morning. I'll tell you how you respond. <laughs> 90% of the people. I had a young man. He's involved in, a, in an issue of immorality. And I, you know, I already got the goods. <clears throat> I mean, I was a detective for a long time. I don't bring anybody into my office until I have the report finished. <laughs> I got the report. I got the stuff. I got pages. I got it all. I knew the times, dates, locations. I, had... I couldn't get any pictures, but that was about all I was missing. You got anything on that cell phone? You got... No, okay. So I have all the evidence. So I bring him in. I said, look, uh, tell me about this. Oh, I, I have no idea. Okay. Well, what about this? Oh. Well, yeah. Well, what about this? Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a few more questions. He goes, well, how much do you know? <laughs> That's the answer. How much do you know, Pat? I'm going to tell you whatever you know, but if you don't know, I'm not telling you anything. So I just pulled out my notepad and I started flipping through pace and I got everything. Oh. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll confess. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> See, that's the problem. And, and another interesting side note now, you know, one of the things I'm sure Pastor Campbell would agree, it used to be, You'd call people in that are in immorality, and it would be the woman who would confess. Uh-uh. Now it's the guy. The women are like... Nope. I don't know what you're talking about. The guy's already come in weeping. Right? 
here's the woman flexing her bicep with a tad on it, you know. <laughs> the roles have shifted. And so we have to be very cautious if we're going to enter into ministry for God. It's going to take a commitment not only to responsibility for our actions, but to obedience to God. You know, when an altar call comes out, it's a call for obedience, church. I think many of you miss that. This is a call to obedience. Are you doing this? Then you've got to get it right. And the way to get it right is to obey God and come to the altar, confess and repent. <laughs> confess and repent. You want to go on for ministry? I mean... You're going to deal with this in the field. You're going to preach sermon after sermon and people will be blinking at you. And you already know they're doing it. And so we're not ogres most of the time. <laughs> we don't run up and say, okay, I know you're doing this. You're doing this. Get to the altar, right? There's the altar. Get down there, right? We try to bring them around. We try to preach. We try to encourage. We, you know, get them to do the will of God. But many times... You know, they're not responding. You know, all of us have this surface obedience. You know, we come into church, we have this surface obedience. We look good. You come in, you shake the pastor's hand. How are you doing this? Oh, pastor, things are going so well. <clears throat> We're doing so good. Oh, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We walk away. Shut up. Shut up. Not sitting with you. Right? On the way driving to church, it was a battle. I mean, the husband gets out the pad and puts on his elbows, and poof, poof, you know, like a wrestling match in the car. You get to church, you're coming in, you're all, you see the pistol, hey. Right? We have this surface obedience. We have the show we put on for everybody else, but the problem is what's underneath there? Because if we're not hitting an altar, if we're not worried about our future with God, if we're not worried about keeping right, how on earth do we expect to go forth and do a work for God? This is not a career. This is a calling. I left my career for a calling. It's much difference in that. And so we need to get a grip on this in our minds that surface obedience doesn't cut it. Here's Saul. He's told to go. 1 Samuel 15, 3. Go attack Amalek. Utterly destroy all they have. Do not spare them. But kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, oxen, sheep, camel, donkey. In other words, everything's got to go here. And he comes back with all these animals. I've obeyed. At least I went. I obeyed. No, you didn't obey. You say you obey, but you didn't. See, are we truly obedient to God? Do we truly respond to the Holy Spirit when convicted? Do we respond and, and let God open us to what he wants for us by coming to an altar so we can develop in the things of God before we get into the field? Or do we just try to save face? Keep it covered, hoping we could just get, you know what? If I can just get launched out, it'll all come together. No, it won't. Your problems just begin when you get launched out. See, here in the church, under the covering 
of a pastor that loves you and cares for you and knows you and is trying to help you and a congregation that is supportive of you that's going to support you in the future that loves you as well. This is where you deal with those things and get rid of them. Finish them. Because when you go out there, it's exacerbated. In other words, it just grows and grows. gets larger and larger because you're under assault. And if you don't deal with it, you're giving yourself to it. That's the part we don't like to hear. Romans 6.16, know you not that who you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants you are whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience to righteousness. So you're going to hold on to that? You want to go represent the kingdom of God, represent your mother church, represent the fellowship while you're not dealing with issues in your own life. No, you're yielding yourself to sin. And sooner or later, it's going to take a toll. Saul was irresponsible and dishonest. But he still wanted to be king. See, we have what we need in the word of God to overcome these things. We have what we need through obedience to change, through repentance, where God can totally revolutionize us. I, you know, I can't tell you the heartbreak of launching someone out. And in church, they did everything right. But they get out in the field, and after a time of struggling, they totally fall apart. Then you find out what they were actually really doing when they were in the church. It's heartbreaking. Because they, they had to look good. It's all about them, how they look. You know, everybody wants to be El Wapo, you know. Rico suave. <laughs> and so that's the problem, because that's not who most of us are. Most of us are like, duh. You know? <laughs> I don't know. And so we need to get this back on track. We have what we need. We have the weapons of God at our disposal. We have prayer. We have counseling available. We, all these things are there. But are you availing yourself to that? Or are you just trying to save face and look good? You can hide in the crowd. You know when to come, when not to come. You'll come to the innocuous altar calls that covers everybody. You just need to do right. Oh, I'll, I'll hit that altar call. Okay, yeah. But when they preach on your sin, it's like super glue. Some are a little bolder. Uh, Pastor Heimberg was talking with me a little bit before this. We're, they're a little bold. They'll slip out of the chair right to the floor there and get back up real quick. We went to the altar. I get really nervous when people don't go to the altar. Because I know some folks, they never go to the altar. I'm thinking, it's the Lord. Peter, it's the Lord. He never has to go to the altar. I have to go to the altar. When I go to conference, I can't wait to get to the altar. It's like, God, help my mind. What little is left, I need. <laughs> Lord, change this attitude about all those people who don't hit the altar. <laughs> we, we have to go to the altar. We have to do certain things. I mean, everybody needs this. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 6 says, The weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And so he talks about this. We can, we can fight through when we're obedient, when we do what God calls us and we hit an altar, but we can't do this just claiming we've done it, claiming we've done right, 
Because as we get older in God, you know the word. You know what it says. You've been, many of you have been saved for years. You understand when your pastor preaches a sermon, you already know where he's going. You've been here so long. You, you, you know where point three is going already. You haven't even got there yet. But you're not doing it. You're not responding. Somehow you feel you've been, you know, you've done your time and now you don't have to respond. Well, you know, I was looking at the list and, you know, all these guys, they've all gone out. I'm next. No, I'm not stopping. Sorry. (laughs) I'm next. I have to go out now. But that's not what it is. See, you don't set the will of God. God sets the will of God. And if you want to enter into the will of God, you're going to have to respond. You can't just save face all the time. You've got to save faith. Your faith is valuable. You need to save that. And that's done through obedience. Rather than saving face, can you come to the altar and say, God, I did this? Can you go to your pastor and say, Pastor, I know this is a problem. Here's what I've done. I need help. Are you still holding the old street attitude? No, I don't want to look weak. You are weak. (laughs) And that shows how weak you really are. That shows you're you're just a chavala. Because you don't want nobody to see you in a bad light. You ain't got the strength to stand up and say, I'm the guy. See, when I was growing up, the gang thing was much, much different. Guns were like, don't go near those. You had to knuckle up. It was all about knuckling up. Stand, face him, and we're going for this. Now it's like drive by at 60 and hope you hit something. (laughs) Oh, you're bad. Oh, you're tough. Ooh, you're bad. You can hire chimpanzees to do that. (laughs) We need to, especially if we're going to do something for God, we need to be men. And women, and, and dear, let me give you a little hint here. If your husband's involved in something, he's not telling the pastor, he's not hitting the altar, you better rat him out. Because when he gets in the field and it doesn't work, he'll blame you anyway. Just a little help there for you this morning, not trying to upset you, but I just want to help you this morning. You better not tell. If you tell, I'll be mad. <laughs> Obedience we got to embrace this. Saul was working hard to show some partial obedience, but on the other end, he's trying to save face and not do what needed to be done. And that, I think, is the dilemma that many people face today when going into ministry. This is a pioneer rally. You want to have men and women rise up to pioneer, but you're not going to rise up if you're not getting things right. God will not raise you up. Pastor Mitchell says, long time ago, I learned from him, you can't keep a bad man up And you can't keep a good man down. It all works itself through. And so we need to understand this. True repentance. True repentance. I think, in my mind, that if Saul would have repented quickly, he might have been given another opportunity to set in place his kingdom. Because Samuel said something interesting. You know, if you would have done right today, God would would have established your kingdom forever. But you didn't do that. So your destiny is now lost. Has to be removed now. I can't can't work with that. And so we need to think this through for a moment. True repentance is the issue here. Not partial obedience, but true repentance. 
What is it that you're involved with? What is it that's down in here that you're not hitting the altar about because you don't want anybody to know? God already knows. And what's really scary, what's really scary for some of you is your pastor probably already knows too. God's probably already told him. And he's tormented about this issue in your life and he's praying through, hoping, hoping that he's made a mistake in his mind. Maybe that wasn't God. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm being too critical. Maybe I'm being too suspicious. But God's already moving. And you need to do something with that. When you show enough faith in God to actually obey and come to an altar, God can help you. But if you're going to refuse, how's God going to work with you? Yes, you may go through the program and learn all the little ins and outs of what you need to do. And perhaps you'll even be launched out someday. But what's going to happen when you're out there? What are you going to do? Are you going to save face? Or are you going to save your faith? Because I'd rather make heaven my home. I'd rather go to heaven. I'd rather be right with God and go to heaven. If you've got to confess something, confess it. Get it done. Be a man. Be a woman of God. Ladies, you don't know how much your husband's going to depend on you when he's in ministry. My wife has really helped me over the years. Making decisions. I'll be talking out loud and she'll go like, you really think you want to do that? <laughs> Let me rethink that. My wife's really smart. That's a good... Honey, you're really smart. I'm glad I thought of that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and so help him now when he's in the disciple process. If you're already in the field... And it's falling apart. Can you go to your pastor? Let him know? Can't hide it. He comes, he sits through marriage seminars. Uh, Valentine's Day just passed. I'm sure he sat through all the sermons and you're still having trouble. That may be the case for you. Maybe not, but maybe. Can you talk to your pastor? Well, but we might be removed from ministry. It'll be the best thing that ever happened to you if that's the issue. Because you'll be able to come home, get healed up, get on track again, and go do it again and have some success. You know, others don't cause us to disobey. It's a choice. Stop blaming. Stop blaming your circumstances of life. Stop blaming your upbringing, please. I grew up in a bad life. Really, I know. Can, Can you join the line? Take a number, take a number. Busy day today, counseling, take a number. Okay, now that we've settled that, can we do what needs to be done? You're going to just sit there and just try to cover it all? Try to look good, safe? You know what? You need to hit the altar. And then in certain circumstances, you're going to have to talk to your pastor and let him know where you're at. And let God begin to get in and help you. Because other than that, it's just total disobedience at this point. You don't think that way, but that's exactly what's happening. You're disobeying a clear call from God to hit an altar and to repent and to change. And over time, what's going to happen is your heart's going to get harder and harder and harder. And pretty soon, you're not responding at all. Let's save faith this morning. We have a world to win. We need every one of you here to rise up and do something for God. What are you going to do? That's all I got. 
Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.